Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Dead or Dennis Matter, speak to artists and entertainers about their day jobs and the day jobs we are talking about during this COVID-19 crisis right now are school teachers. I am speaking to one of my uh, good friends out in Springfield, Massachusetts, who is also a comedian, Christine Blinn. She's a high school English teacher out there in Springfield. And of course, I wanted to see how the people on the front lines of the quarantine, uh, when it comes to not being in the metal field, but the front lines of having to deal with students and parents and dealing with everything changing so quickly and so fast, who better to talk to than a teacher? Because their industry is probably affected by this more than maybe anybody else. Uh, Christine is also a uh, prolific and hilarious comedian. Uh, I always enjoy talking to her because conversation is effortless. Uh, She's incredibly intelligent and smart and just charming. And it's disgusting how hard she works at being funny and writing because she is also effortlessly funny. Uh, And it's annoying but in all the best ways possible, <laughs> all the best ways that you want your friends to be. That's uh, th- that's what it's like talking to Christy. And you'll hear it. Um, we talk about comedy. We talk about the school system um, and how her school reacted to this. And frankly, if they could have reacted better, uh, we talk about that. Um, basically, you know, her, you'll hear her sum it up to, they did the best they could given the situation and you know, no fault to anyone was made because of apathy. It was made because they're put in a situation that they had to learn quickly how to adapt to. So it's a it's a lot to listen to a little bit because, you know, you're talking about kids who are having problems that we if you're not somebody, if you're not a parent, you know, I doubt maybe their kids listening. But, you know, if you're not a parent, if you're not a kid, you don't know what they're going through right now. And of course, missing Kids who are missing, you know, prom and end of year and graduation and all those things and all the things that they're going through. We talk about that. Um, and again, we also talk about comedy because she's a comedian who lost a lot of her income because she is a successful comedian um, throughout Massachusetts, Rhode Island and Connecticut where she performs. And she actually got to perform on a live outdoor show in Connecticut. We talk about how that happened, how that came about and what they did to keep everyone, both the performers and the audience safe and how everything went through. And of course, virtual comedy because, well, it's what we're all going through right now. So we talk about the minor um, mishaps they have made that have happened during her shows. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation, put both of us in a good mood. And we it was def- desperately something her and I both needed going into the weekend. We talked on uh, Friday before um, all the weekend chaos going on everywhere else across the country uh, with the protests. and I don't even know why I want to bring that. That's the problem with some of these intros. I write down things that I want to talk about, but I never write down, don't talk about something else, and it just comes up. And it's been a hard, it's, I mean, it's been a hard weekend for everybody. You know, one of the things that I've been saying is, you know, since all of this happened for me, there's been good days and bad days. Uh, and usually the good days involve me not looking at the news. And that is no more correct or relevant or true this weekend than it is this weekend. So, so to all you who are out there fighting for the great fight for equality, keep it up. And, for all of you who are not helping, or more in fact, being unhelpful, fuck you. This is not the way things are supposed to be. This is not the way we're supposed to react to things. You know? There was a time where we can say protests aren't apple to apples. You know, they're not comparable. They are comparable now. They're the exact same incidents, and they're being handled and treated differently because of stupidity, because of racism, because of skin color, and because of all that other bullshit that you want to put out there. And whatever reasons you want to make up to keep other people down, there's no need for any of that anymore. So, But 
let's go back to when I was happy two minutes ago thinking about my conversation with a good friend who is a school teacher and a comedian. So please enjoy this conversation with me and Christine Blinn. Don't worry about it. I have never been so relaxed in my life as I have been during COVID-19. And I know that sounds the complete opposite of everybody, but holy shit. Uh, it took me a few weeks, for a few weeks to get, for myself to get, uh, calm down and and like not wake up in the fetal position of anxiety and depression the entire time and yeah exactly situations doing things like this have been incredibly helpful to my mental and health well-being so thank you for also being a part of keeping me sane and not hanging from my ceiling tiles so yeah well you know what it's a reciprocal relationship here because <laughs> you're doing this kind of stuff has been so much fun and uh it's not the same as stand-up but you know still it's a good time so well, let's, well, let's open with that before we start talking about uh, you being a teacher, because you just did, you, not only have you done virtual shows with comedy clubs and other people who are putting on independent shows, you've also done now since one in-person live show in, yeah. outdoors in a parking lot. First and foremost, let's talk about how well did that go? That was one of my most fun nights of comedy I've ever had. Um, it was me, it was uh, Ryan Browse booked it. You know, it's his, one of his uh, comedy craft beer shows. And it was at Priam Vineyards and they had tents outside. And, you know, I think that it was raining. It was windy. Um, my car almost got stuck in the mud. Um, <laughs> How I, is this like, a positive experience? So, but like he, everybody was having a good time. Like it didn't even matter. It could have been thunderstorms and we would have had a great time. And everybody had an awesome set. It was, I know for a fact, we all had so much fun and um, the people were awesome. I think they just, all of us just wanted to get out so bad and have a good time that I really don't think any of us could have lost that night anyway. You know, it's like, we couldn't, we, you couldn't say anything wrong. Everybody just wanted to laugh. It was great. Well, that's good. I'm glad it went well. Um, what measures did they put, like, well, this show was in Connecticut. Yes, they were open for outdoor dining. So there was no, you could go in, get the wine, masks on, um, definitely mass on inside. Um, then you had to take your wine and they had a food truck. So nobody ate inside. They all ate at their seats. And in the tents, they only did like half capacity of the tents so that it could be all, so seating was socially distanced. So with that kind of a situation, well, one of the things I think somebody is go going to ask, uh, and I don't care either which way personally, but were performers performing with masks on or was there a change out of microphones or was there a talk or a concern of such things? I didn't, I wasn't really that worried about it. I know that people might find it irresponsible, but, um, you know, you sanitize before you sanitize after I didn't get too close to the mic and, you know, three of us touched it. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like we were going and having everybody in the audience pass it around and, you know, <laughs> we all sanitized. We were very careful and there, it was great. <laughs> I was fine by it. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people post talking about being concerned when we go back to doing comedy. Is everyone going to have to switch out mic or, or bring their own microphones? Or are we going to have to sanitize them between people? And I'm like, that seems to me like a bit of an overreaction to all of this. So that's, I'm, I don't want to say I'm glad, but it's, it's nice that somebody agrees with me on what seems to be a responsible practice without yeah. being ridiculously overcautious, in my opinion. I I think that it comes down when you're at the show. Cause like at this point, I mean, everybody has their right to be as cautious as they want to be. And I don't want to take that away from anybody, but it was kind of like, you know, I was okay with it. Um, you know, Hanley had his hand sanitizer and it wasn't, and we all basically, we agreed to it. If there's a comic who is uncomfortable with it. And if I'm sure if I had brought it up to, um, one of them there and I said, Hey, I'd be way more comfortable if we could clean it off in between whatever, then I'm sure that that would have happened. You know, I think at each show they're going to figure out, you know, if not as far as the audience goes, you know, the venue figures that stuff out. But as far as like the individual handling of the mics, I think the comics, when you show up, you know, you have every right to request it to be as safe as you want it to be. And if they want you to perform there, then they'll hopefully comply with that. Excellent way of looking at it. So you've done a couple, uh, in addition to doing that live show, you've done a couple of virtual shows and we've all heard horror stories from performers about certain things getting hacked and certain audience members coming in and them. Uh, has that been an experience in any of the incidents that you've done or have they all been swimmingly somewhere between what's been your experience with virtual shows? Well, I'm kind of disappointed nobody Tyler Durden any of my shows. That would have been kind of cool. Um, there 
they're adult shows anyway, so whatever. But no, that hasn't happened at all. I've actually had a, I've had two really, really fun shows. And I think like, it's kind of like, you just have to get over the fact that it's not stage. It's not the stage. It's not going to feel like the stage. And kind of once you accept the fact that it's different, you know, for me anyway, once I accepted the fact that it was different, I ended up having a really good time until on my last one that I did, my dad stood up in his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the people. (laughs) Yeah. So I really wish Browth recorded it. Um, And then he does, what's really fun with them is that they'll do like this kind of meet and greet thing after the Zoom show where people can like stick around and hang out. And it was like 20 more minutes about my dad's balls. And it was like, it, that is, um, I would have rather someone Tyler Durden the set, you know, like just. (laughs) At least there's people still dedicated to, even during quarantine and social distance, there's still people at least still dedicated to just dropping N-bombs and promoting racism on the internet. Like, it's amazingly (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Oh, that's what's been happening? And some of them, yeah, like, uh, I've been in one... I only heard it was, like, the sexual ones, which I guess would be very horrible if it's for children, but... I've seen seen people share just the the most raunchiest um, porn imaginable. I've seen people just walk in and just start... uh, or join the sessions and just start dropping N-bombs. Wow, that I was, that I haven't seen, no. After they were even muted, they just shared screen and started writing the N-word. And it's like, this is what you're coming here for? Just, this is what you're coming here, teenage white boy, uh, to, to drop N-bombs? Okay, fair enough. I guess we can, I guess we can kind of assume it's younger people because there's no way an older person would be able to ever figure, I mean, we couldn't even do Zoom with my mom. <laughs> Three of us got on the phone with her and we couldn't figure it out. So, well, excuse me, she couldn't figure it out. So, yeah, you guys figured it out. She didn't. Oh, yeah, no, I've, I, we're what now almost three months into quarantine and mm. there's still people every day that I run to that don't understand how to work Zoom. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I literally watched somebody face plant into their webcam in the middle of a seminar. It's like, what is wrong with you? How have you gotten this far into this and you don't know what you're doing? I don't even understand how that happens to a fully functional human being. Like, what happened? That's the kind of person that needs to wear a helmet when they walk around in public, so. (laughs) Uh, Well, on on the matter of hand, since we're talking about Zoom, I'm assuming, and I don't know uh, what your school is doing, because, you you know, you you keep, you try to keep your professional life and your comedian life separate um, for the public consumption because of what you do, as best as you can, because, well, you know, in this day and age, you kind of have to. But you are a school teacher, uh, 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 Springfield High School or a high school in Springfield, Massachusetts? It's Springfield Central High School. Every freaking city has a central. So we're Central High School in Springfield. But there's there's like four other high schools. Yeah. Okay. What was the first days going into quarantine look like at your school? Was there talk about quarantine? Was there talking about were people asking questions going into this? How are we going to handle this situation? Um, I don't think that any of us were very well prepared ahead of time. I don't think we nobody took it seriously. Even the teachers, like we were making jokes, um, not really like making jokes, but like it wasn't serious to us until like the Wednesday of that Friday the 13th week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they canceled, it was kind of a little bit of the Wild West for a while. Teachers weren't sure what to do. We were trying to post some stuff. They hadn't decided how the grading would work, if it's going to be credit or no credit, pass, fail. Um, or if we're actually grading, um, and you know, so Springfield's this, the city and there's, we had to get laptops home to kids. So that took weeks because, you know, some of our kids, one of my coworkers found out that she had a student who had gone to California to stay with family there. So, I mean, it's, it was really hard getting all of the stuff that the materials needed into kids' hands. Um, the local, you know, internet companies and stuff were amazing with giving houses free hotspots and stuff like that. Um, so that in and of itself took a long time and, um, it's still not perfect. It's, um, it's just not, but it's not perfect anywhere. You know, like there's problems in the suburban places too, where now you have two parents working from home and then they have two kids in elementary school and they have to homeschool them as well do as do all of their work. Like it's, it's a mess. I think in every every town you go into, I would say. So yeah, there was, so there was no preparation going into this. Do you think at least your school with the lack of preparation handled it as best as they could? Or do you think it could have been 
improved. No, I think we handled it as best as we could. Um, I know that, and this, these, this goes for all of the high schools in the district. I mean, there were principals and teachers volunteering, driving around, dropping off laptops. We also have kids who are in night school after school. Um, I know one of our guys, Mr. Tommy Guy, he, I know he himself personally was going house to house, bringing uh, night school work to these kids to make sure that they could get all of their stuff up. So the people involved have been working really, really hard on it. And we've just kind of, every time the state or the district mandates something, we just adjust what we're doing to what they say. And yeah, there's, it's frustrating a lot of the times, but I think everybody involved is really just trying to do the best that they can. Now we're looking ahead to just in case, um, you know, they're not sure if they're going to stagger school opening, if they're going to open at all. I know that in Massachusetts, they're saying that they want to, and they're planning on it, but who, who really knows, you know? Um, but at least now we're planning things that can work both in class and on remote learning. So and in the remote, just to go through the remote learning process that you've had to go through, mm-hmm. um, is it being done over Zoom? Is it done through Hangouts? Are you creating packets and then just emailing to students and they're working on their own? We have, uh, the district has um, its own kind of like, pro, like uni- it's called Unified Classroom. There's Google Classroom, Unified Classroom. We use Unified Classroom and PowerSchool usually, and I can get all my lessons up there. What I've been doing, um, I know some teachers tried to hold like live Zoom classes, but they'd get three or four kids or two kids, you know? So what I've been doing personally is um, recording my lessons, you know, and then taking the YouTube link, embedding it in the lesson that I post online. And then I'm available. um, I tell them I'm available for like individual Zoom or Teams. We've been using also Teams meetings as well on video. And I've done a couple of those with kids when they um, want it and need it. And so, you know, that's kind of just, I feel like that's how everybody's doing it, you know? At least high school, elementary's got it way worse because they have to teach all of the classes, each individual teacher. So that's tough. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to hear different how people are handling this difference because my roommate, you know, is in college and they're just doing it over Zoom and, and, and it's normal. Uh, I was talking to someone who is a teacher in Canada and in Canada, it's illegal for the kids to use their video. At home. It's illegal for the kids to use their video. That's the way it was explained to me is that in Canada, the kids aren't allowed to turn their video videos on in their home because it's a violation of privacy. Yeah, we actually were talking about um, going into next year. Let's say we start remote learning. It's really, really tough. And any teacher will tell you this. It's really, really tough to to run a classroom when you don't know your kids, you don't meet them in person, you know, usually that first week or so is a lot of team building activities and trusting each other and all of those kinds of things. And you get to know your students, you know, you get that relationship and we're, we're worried about what it's going to be like, you know, in the fall remotely when a lot of kids don't want to turn on their screen, maybe they'll sit there with their screen off and, and that's weird, you know, but then there's the concern. We were talking to a principal. There was the concern that, well, another student could easily take a picture of it, create a meme out of anyone's face they want to. And then there's this throw it all over the internet, you know, so kids are very self-conscious. And I understand, you know, I understand their perspective with that too. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I mean, I don't care if they make memes of me, (laughs) whatever they don't, (laughs) they're usually not that funny anyway. I hope they see this and hear me say that. Um, but no, but, um, but I can understand a student's concern. So I can understand why in Canada they might make that decision. That's a discussion that we've had. Should we require that kids turn their camera on? And none of us want to require kids to do that because it's a different world and social media and taking the pictures and they just, I don't want to do that to a kid. So it's, it's tough. It's not solidified yet, but we're working on it. We don't, I don't think that we're, we are not allowed to record um, any of the students when we do a Zoom meeting. I can record myself and post it, but we can't record or post anything of the recordings. Um, that's illegal with a student on it, if that makes sense. Yes, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So that's illegal, of course. Um, you know, not, no posting any of that stuff. But um, yeah, it's an, kind of an ongoing thing. And we're just continually having discussions on how we're going to handle it. Yeah, I'd love to hear how that's an evolving conversation right now, given everything that's going on, because this is not a conversation we were prepared to have this was not a situation we in any way, shape, or form thought we were going to have to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, even in the world of medicine, telehealth is a very important thing. However, 
getting over the hurdles of technology, not just in the medical industry for the professionals, but more importantly, getting over the hurdles for those who God damn it. Three months, I have done a great job not burping on mic, and now this is it. You better leave that in. (laughs) You better leave that in, guy. Uh, But yeah, there's also a bit. This is what I get for drinking polar seltzer. Uh, F you, polar (laughs) seltzer. Uh, I should have just stuck to my original Snapple. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it's a conversation we haven't been prepared to have because of what everything in telehealth, you know, getting over the hurdles of people who need to have who need to be in touch with their doctors because not everybody has great internet service or internet service at all. Or even knows how to use it. And, and you know, the older generation. have Even having the equipment, knowing how to use the equipment or the availability of it. You know, it's for me, you know, I have a lot of impressive equipment. However, I could do all of this with so much less and it's almost just as easy. Like I've, you know, I, I worked in radio for a bunch of years and I've literally used my iPhone for live broadcast and nobody knew that it was an iPhone. That's how good technology has gotten to at this point. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <sighs> yeah, and just be, getting this stuff, in the, you know, but not everybody has an iPhone. Not everybody has an Android. I mean, the program mm-hmm. that we're using right now, Squadcast, does not work on iOS. Period. End of statement. They have not <laughs> made this thing work with an iPhone yet, which is like, okay, yeah, it's not the top, it's not the most used operating system in the world. Because it's one operating system. A lot of people have iPhones. Just figure out yeah. how to make this work on that platform. However, for me, and my purposes, it's been working just fine. As yeah. you can see right now, we're having a conversation. All my past ones have sounded good. And I could have done, without their use, I could have done adequately well. But it makes it easier for me. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see how schools are trying to handle this stuff. Because you know now you're dealing with, you know, I mean, telehealth, you're, you deal with one industry or you know one pretty much company that supplies all, you know, one or two companies supply all the hospitals with information or, or technology or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do one-on-one stuff, but in schools, I mean, we're literally talking about people's homes. Does, in your case, I mean, how many kids are in each of your classrooms at a time? 20? No, I've got, I have friends who have kids with 35 kids in yeah. the class. Yeah, just the example, yeah, 35 kids. Can you imagine having to tech so be, be a tech, uh, a tech, uh, do IT work for 35 different kids who should rightfully probably know more about the technology than you, than we do, but that's one class. So 35 times seven. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And then do it over and over. That's just one class. You're right. Yeah. You're recording your lessons and giving that to the students because it's easier for you. What were the hurdles that you had to get over to? You know, what brought you to the decision to record and what hurdles did you have to get over to be able to make a recording for students? Well, luckily, earlier in the year, I had a couple of students uh, help me learn to post stuff onto YouTube on my iPhone. So it all comes back to them. <laughs> they are the technology geniuses. Um, genii. Anyway, so um, I had kids help me with that. So knowing that, thanks to them, I just used my iPhone. And I started doing it because... I mean, I teach English. There's so much more you have to say that if I put everything I wanted to say into the lesson, they'd never read it. You know, it's just to be too long. (laughs) So I like to give kind of the bullet points. And then when I in the video, I'll just be like, hey, watch this part, you know, look at this worksheet and I'll go I'll talk through each one of the bullet points. And then I try not to make it longer than five minutes because, you know, short attention spans. Um, And then I just tell them to email me again, with questions. And there are always questions that I still didn't explain well enough. And it's not that they don't get it. It's that, yeah, no, that's a good question. I didn't put that in there. So, you know, and it, it really, it delays everything too, because when they could ask me that just face to face, you know, you take care of it in 30 seconds, but now it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, it's like <laughs> one kid sends it, then you got to type it all out. And then you get another one, you type it all out. And then you're like, oh, I'll just send a whole nother email to the whole class and I'll type it all out. And maybe they'll see it in three hours and do the assignment or in two days. Who knows? It's just, it's all kinds of a pain. <laughs> well, I, I love how it's like, you're basically just walking around the house doing selfie videos, trying to, <laughs> to trying to post uh, retractions and corrections to your own previous selfie videos <laughs> yeah and then i have and then for a while i had posted i thought i posted the right link it was the right link but i did i had it as um private instead of unlisted so that i had to go and do that and have this kid javier text messaged me miss 
I, it's not working. So I go back in, I do it. All right, Javi, it's, it's working now. Next lesson, miss, <laughs> it's not working again. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so that was, I kept having to go in and it was just, a, it was a, more of a pain on my end. Just, <laughs> just stupid technology stuff that most normal people would get like that. But it just, it's, <laughs> it's a little slow for me. At least you're learning to be humble and empathetic to those who you are also trying to help with technological difficulties. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> the hardest thing is the kids who have, you know, IEPs and 504s, the kids that need accommodations. That's the hardest part in all of this. Um, I know the ELL teachers, the English language learner teachers are having a really tough time um, helping their kids because uh, so many, I mean, we have refugees, kids who come in who don't even have a written language or if they do they don't even know they don't read in their own language so trying to do this for them has been i mean i know i've talked to two of them who have been in tears so you know it's just um it's hard there's a lot of a lot of difficulties in it and dealing with the the students that have are having a much harder time at this than say others does that I, like, obviously you, you have an amazing amount of empathy and you care for your students and stuff like that, but does situations like that worry you for how we are going to continue this process in the future? Like if the students are having difficulties now, what's to mm -hmm. say that they're still not going to have difficulties down the road? Do you fear that their difficulties with this uh, may make them feel disencouraged? Absolutely. Causing them, I, I, they will be frustrated. There will be absolute 100% frustrations there. Um, I am worried about that kind of stuff, like mental health, you know, for everybody, not just the inner city kids. But um, it's weird because I think there's a lot of things that need to change about our public school system. And I'm hoping that this highlights what our kids really need in education versus what we teach them because it's what we all learned. You know, an, an 1850 classical education doesn't really do much for a kid from Springfield, Massachusetts, inner, any inner city kid. So I think that there's hopefully this will be like maybe having to cut down what we teach them will really teach us what these kids really need that's going to help them in their everyday lives and pare down and pare out all of the crap. Like, for example, as an English teacher, I think that Shakespeare should be taught, taught as an art. I don't think it should be tied to a child's graduation because they need to pass four years of English to graduate. I think that's, it's ridiculous because I don't know. I don't, the only time I ever talk about Shakespeare is when I'm talking with my other friends who like Shakespeare. So basically we're making kids do our hobby and then punishing them without a high school diploma if they can't do it. So there's a lot, I think I'm kind of happy about coronavirus. I hope it, if it kind of highlights those problems, but people have to wake up and realize that maybe the system should change all together. That's my personal opinion on it. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to look at this, at that, that makes me a little hopeful. Um, but if people don't realize that and they try to force online learning in, into a square hole, you know, if that makes sense, um, there could be a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And I think a lot of people could bet could be left behind even further. It's sad. Um, and you may not have an answer for this next question because it's not your experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I am curious to know how what you've been doing, how the current quarantine schooling from home is, if you know or have any opinions, is different than homeschool. It's it's I would say it's very different because even homeschooling, you have somebody there who's teaching you who you hire, I assume, to come in who knows education or who at least has the time investment to do it. The problem with the remote learning, it's not that it's the being at home that's the problem. It's do these kids have somebody at home who can work them through the problems? It's a lot slower of a process when you have to wait for somebody in another house to get back to your email, know that you need help, respond to a parents aren't teachers and they're not educated to do that unless they choose. Some parents choose to get textbooks and they have the time and they said, I'm going to homeschool my child. They're prepared for it. This is not that. This is yeah. parents who are trying to pay their bills through their other jobs and then trying to make sure their kids get it. It's particularly difficult, I think, um, with elementary school level teachers and parents. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard all around. It's, it's not the same as homeschooling. It's very different. Some kids have parents who are teachers who can help more than other kids. 
And that's, you know, great for them, but it sucks for the kids who don't have that. Yeah. My sister homeschools her two children um, and has been for a couple of years now. Um, she's been talking about adamantly that this is not, you know, what's going on now is not homeschooling. It's not, one she's of the things right. she always focused on. Yeah. And one of the things she focuses on is that even during homeschooling, her kids go to us to with other homeschool children, go to a program two, three times a week. Okay. And they like they have uh, a gym class uh, together and they have a, an art class together. And so they bring, you know, she teaches them from home two, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And then all the other people in the homeschool program take their kids to a church that hosts a homeschool program where they can learn uh, you know, social interactions, gym class, art. There's other things that they learn there too. And when my sister talks, I kind of just tune out, even though I asked her the question, I was like, oh, what is the difference? And then she would talk. And then I'm like, I think I'm going to have tacos today. <laughs> oh, wait, what? She's, so. she's very right. There's a school set up at home for this distance learning. And especially with how quickly it happened, there aren't schools set up in kids' homes. There are yeah. parents trying to do their best. And, and God then- bless trying. I have watched my friend's first grader on his Zoom classes, that God bless those elementary school teachers because that is some of the hardest, funniest, funniest, but hardest <laughs> shit I've ever seen because they don't, they don't know. Try and FaceTime with a five-year-old. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just imagine doing an art class uh, with elementary kids and one of them just finger painting the camera. Yeah, finger painting the camera. And then my, I, then Nina's kid, he gets up and he's, this is all the class can see as he's walking around the house. You know, like he doesn't know, like they don't know. They don't know. It's like. <laughs> Does remote uh, learning also come with Dramamine pills for uh, when you get dizzy watching? <laughs> Shaking, I shaking had camera that. My footage. meetings, the kids sit, they got their computer there, and it's still. So I haven't had to do that yet, but it's not. Yeah, some remote learning classes that look like they were they, they are footage from the Blair Witch movie. Yeah, so. yeah. And then I've seen some really funny, interesting things that, you know, there's one class creates to kind of mess with the teacher where they're like passing a pencil all the way through all of the images and the pictures, and I'm fascinated <laughs> by it. I'm like, how the hell did they do that? You know? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there, uh, there, the fa- famously, there's the one kid who changed his profile picture to be reconnecting. Oh, really? I heard that there's kids who put their pictures but take off. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, yeah. there's, there's, you know, we have our problems in the inner city with ours, but there's issues and kids <laughs> screwing around uh, in every every single school system. I'm sure, you know, it's just it's provided some laughter at least. <laughs> At, at least kids are still being creative while at home during quarantine. At least we can gather that from them. Yeah, homes. that's really cool. And, you know, I also want to, I don't know how, who's listening or whatever, but there are some people out there who've been pretty, just hear some mean comments about like, oh, well, they just get over graduation. They'll realize it's not that big of a deal. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe they will. But do you remember when you, it's, it's the biggest thing these kids have been waiting for their entire lives. They're missing their prom. You know, it's, that's heartbreaking for an eight, 17, 18 year old kid. And I just feel like people should have a little, I mean, a lot of people do have the sympathy for it. Don't get me wrong, but there are some people who are just kind of like, Oh, they'll be fine. And it's like, just stop. This is hard for everyone. You know, don't be a jerk to other people. So. Yeah. And and it's, it's not that, Oh, I'm missing prom. It's that you feel like you're not in your normal life. You're not yeah. a part of a society. You're not being able to have the same experience and connections with people. It's not necessarily that exact thing that they're lamenting on. That just represent, represents how their feelings are towards everything being not normal. It's a symbolic, it's an experience that everybody ahead of them has gotten. And it's that experience that every one of them wants and waits for. I don't even care. I don't care what kid I had that hates school. You know, 90, 95% of the kids, um, they they still want to do their prom. They still want to do, you know, and even, you know, maybe it's 85%, but all of those kids, it's very sad for them who don't, who really wanted that stuff and now they don't get to have it with their friends. Yeah, even the kids who are adamant like promise Dupe and I were never gonna go are missing out on complaining about how much they hate prom yeah, and exactly, they don't want to go. Right? Now they're never gonna get the experience of drinking alone in a bar because they're mad that they didn't get to go. Like, what the heck, man? We're ruining everyone's lives. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can't wait to have overpriced Olive Garden food and finger my girlfriend in the back of a limousine. <laughs> <laughs> and all of those parents 
we'll be able, like we used to have tent city at my high school like after prom everybody went and they set up this it was really a lot of fun everybody set up a tent during the day and they had a dj all night long and they took you on a bus from the school but like everybody would bury alcohol under their tents right and so now you know this year all of those parents who used to go and ruin it for all the kids because they dig up all the alcohol and they'd go through and find it they missed out on that experience too it's devastating <laughs> nobody nobody gets to do the things that they've been waiting to do <laughs> Uh, to go back to the conversation of recording your videos and, and uh, connecting with your students, do you think you as a performer has helped prepare you to be better equipped at recording yourself, talking to a camera, and being competent in at least not being able to have stage fright? Do you think that has helped you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because I'm just, I'm used to talking to people so much more. I'm used to having, yeah, you're right, like having the recording on it, having all that stuff. Um it definitely makes me more comfortable with it. But I do understand the teachers who are completely uncomfortable with it. There are a lot of teachers who are like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. They feel just like the kids. They're humans too. They feel weird. They, they don't, some don't want to stare at their face the whole time or have the kids staring at their face the whole time. And who knows? Well, no, I do know because our, our school has a memes page. And so they make fun of the teachers all the time, which is hilarious. <laughs> but like they're, they're, they're taking our pictures too. I find it hilarious, but I know there are teachers in the school who would be devastated if something like that happened. I've been waiting for my picture to get memed. Nobody's memed me yet. I'm so <laughs> mad. But um, there are teachers who won't find that funny, who are nervous to do those kinds of things. And it makes them really uncomfortable. And I respect that too. So it's like trying to find a... a happy medium for everyone in this where everyone is comfortable is very difficult because the people who chose to go into teaching did not choose to teach this way they're comfortable in a classroom and they don't you know they don't want to put content out on the internet of themselves i what my department head doesn't even have social media she doesn't understand any of this you know so she's been doing her own personal research on how to create video lessons this poor woman is back in like 2005 for her <laughs> well let's uh talking about uh recording and subjects like that uh you're a very recent and proud homeowner now yeah, so congratulations. thank you do you feel obligated is this your chance to be like oh shit i get to show off my house my new house to everybody well so far this is the only room that i've really done anything in which is why i'm sitting here um but i am yeah with all this time right it's like i don't have to get up and go into school i don't have i can't travel anywhere really for comedy i've all this time i'm doing my backyard i'm gonna put in a fire pit I didn't know you could like remortgage and get more money. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. And that's how people did stuff to their house. So um, I'm, I'm living my life right now, man. I'm having so much fun. On the subject of the home, and these are personal finances you don't have to answer. Are you currently, uh, a lot of people are worried about making their mortgage payments and stuff like that. I mean, you're still working, you're still going you know, to school, but yeah. a huge part of your income has been cut out because you're not doing comedy. Yeah. Do you have concerns? Is there anything you've done about maybe seeing if there's protection uh, and deferments or protection things in place? Is that a concern of yours? Um, I have been super blessed because uh, of the teaching. So I, don't, I haven't had to have that stress. Yeah, I, I've had to cut way back um, on like spending money and stuff. And, you know, I've had to delete Grubhub from my phone. That was disappointing, um, you know, but like little things, but I'm, you know, there are people who are a lot worse off than I am. I've been, you know, oh, poor me. I can't fucking order somebody else to cook my food, you know? So I've been, I can pay my mortgage. I can pay all my bills. I've been paying them. Um, and actually most of them have been really, I don't know, like, like I've gotten emails from everybody saying, you know, contact us if you have a problem and can't do it, you know? So there, I've always had that option, but I never had to use it. I think it's really cool that companies are allowing people to do it, and I don't want to take advantage of it um, if I don't need it. And there are people who do need it because, like, what kind of a dick am I if I'm like, well, I don't have to pay, so I'm not going to. And then that, who knows, that screws someone else down down the line who really needs it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is a positive way of looking at it, and I, I am, you know, glad that they that people are doing some of these things. And unfortunately, there's people exploiting it very much like I have a friend who uh, is a dog walker. She has two employees. And she applied for one of those, you know, payroll protection programs and was told, sorry, the fund's out of money because all these other big corporations yeah. took things that they probably didn't need yeah. and left her pissing in her own hand. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I'm some noble person. I just, I just like, I have my cousin runs a daycare. So like, she, I know she needs it. You know what I mean? There. Yeah. So I have people in my life who who need it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to take money from them. You know, it's not like I'm some, oh, I'm so noble. It's like, nah, I've heard people complain. So I'm not going to 
be a part of their complaint. Yeah. I mean, what the, the you know, I didn't get furloughed until April. So I it, throughout March, I was still going into my office and I'm lucky enough now that I you have waited, a They job. waited till April? Oh, we still have people going in. Mm. But they furloughed me in April. Basically, my, I do audio, I do audio video tech for a law firm now. Um, oh, so I okay, went from, okay. yeah, in November, I went from being a freelance, uh, which by the way, if all this happened last year when I was a freelance uh, uh, recorder doing live sound and working, uh, doing podcasts and, and comedian and actor, if all this happened last April, I would have been so freaking screwed. It's not even yeah, funny. However, I'm yeah. lucky and fortunate that I'm, you know, that, so the, the law firm was paid me very well. I was still going in. But even though I lost a lot of my side work recording podcasts and doing live audio and, and stuff for people like Laugh Boston and other other people and other things, yeah. I lost a couple hundred dollars a week when this mm-hmm. went into effect. But I was still donating to people who lost jobs because I'm like, I'm living comfortably now. Even without that extra money, I can get everything done. And I started donating to like GoFundMe's and stuff like that for friends. And I was like, yeah. okay, this is now getting to my own detriment. I shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be this philanthropic, even though I now have it. That's why I've never been able to have money. Cause I'm like, oh, here, let's just spread it around everywhere. Well, I'm, I'm like, I was talking to my mom about this because like for 39 years, I had no idea how to save money. None, none, no idea. I just, and I finally started paying attention to like my actual finances, like a real adult. And mm-hmm. um, in September, I really started like buckling down on figuring out like a monthly budget, um, you know, how much I could do and has still have savings and all this kind of stuff. And if I hadn't done that and kind of figured that out right then, then I wouldn't have gotten at least a little bit of a cushion. And I also would have had to now take this panic uh, like a panic stop spending. Whereas I've trained myself over time already to not spending. Like I would be having massive panic attacks right now. I would be way less calm if I hadn't, you know, started learning to do that just a couple of months ago. So it's like, like you said, like you got that job. I started being responsible. You just picked that perfect time to do it. Thank God. Yeah. And I, when I took the job at, you know, I, it, it's weird because like August, 2018, I got fired from a job after, you know, what, what, 15 years with the company. And just at that point between all my side work and my regular job and doing all this and just getting everything in order, I was like, Hey, I'm finally getting out of debt. I have good financing going. I've raised my credit score or started to raise my credit score. This is great. Boom. Get fired. And instead of like doing something smart, like, Oh, finding a job. I was like, Oh, this is the universe telling me to be a full-time comedian. (laughs) No, but you know what happens when you when you try to be a full time comedian before you're financially before you're at, at any level ready to do so? They repossess your car. That's basically what happens. Oh, so, life lesson. Life yeah. lesson. So I yeah in November of 2019 I took the job at the law firm which just fell into my lap. They're paying me really good money, and I was May between 20 August 2018 and November 2019 when I looked back at the money I was making. I actually made decent money as 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 an as a you know working freelance. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, it was so sporadic; it was impossible to keep normal finances. Also, I did a lot of bad things myself. Not you know money wise. It's just like I didn't like. Oh, just people wise, you know, human wise, no, you'd horrible. No, things. I I didn't I didn't jump on the opportunity to take work from New York, uh, acting gotcha. jobs in New York. I, I I waited way too long to to apply to that that stuff and get my stuff together. I should have got professional headshots done. Instead, I didn't, which is also to to my own detriment and stuff. So I made a unfortunate amount of bad decisions because of this, that, or whatever, and it didn't work out for me. Even if I made decisions, there's no guarantee it would have worked out for me. But so November, you know, November comes around, I get the job. I'm like, hey, I got this job. They're paying me well. I can start getting myself back out of debt that I created over the past year. And then they repossess the car. I'm like, well, that's to that idea. And then, <laughs> and then as we're going into March, I'm like, hey, financially getting on my feet, catching up on the now delinquent car payments that got my car taken away from me and all that other stuff that I did and was, hey, improving it. Boom, furlough. I'm like, really? And I'm lucky that I'm, you know, unemployment was not a problem for me. I was able to get in and out of the website in minutes. Nice. Uh, I got the COVID bump pay, so I'm making as much, if not more, than what I was making. I got the stimulus check. I'm incredibly fortunate, and I'm happy. Uh, but even knowing, even I'm furloughed, which means I'm guaranteed my job in August, mm-hmm. guaranteed in finger quotes, and they still go August 1st, like, hey, we changed your mind. You're fired. Uh, and then yeah, I start could, all over again. They do it. You never know. Yeah, so I'm actually, and I'm also, I, I've got my finances back and, and my spending and stuff like that. So 
I'm fortunate at this point that I'm not going backwards. Mm-hmm. But even that thought of what am I going to do? Like that added to a lot of my depression at the beginning of this was because it's like, you know, the, 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 the uh, you know, working, I've already worked to make things better twice and had the rug pulled under me and everything went terrible. And I, you know, have to deal, had to, and ha- am still dealing with that fear, even though I know everything should be in, uh, should go better for me uh, come August. But if we get hit again in the, in the fall, they can just go, you know, we're not, we're not going to furlough you this time. You're completely fired. Or we go into another quarantine or everything goes back to normal and they just fire me because like, look, we decided that we don't need you to set up remote video chats for us anymore because we've spent four months figuring it out on our own. Bye. Well, we could, I guess that we could look at it that way. That's terrifying. Yeah, right. That is terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) It is, but. I don't know what to tell you. I feel bad. I'm like, I'd really love to give you advice, man, but that just (laughs) No, you don't. I don't know what to tell you. No, you're right. And it's, well, those are the fears that, you know, a lot of us are dealing with. Like, those are my personal, and it sounds very similar to the personal fears of a lot of people. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that one of my friends doesn't have to suffer from that fear because, we're always going to need educators, yeah. um, no matter what goes on. And the school, you know, there's I've heard uh, laments from other people who have children in school, like private schools, that are upset that their tuition is still being paid in full while their kids are learning from home or certain situations like that. I wouldn't like that either. I wouldn't, as a parent, I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, but also the same thing as as a teacher, the tuition goes to pay for you and your facilities True. and stuff like that. True. It's tough. It's tough all around. Just <laughs> say that, man. It's it's tough all around. I will say this. I will say this about about quarantine and coronavirus and everything. I was my sister in law and I went out to Home Depot because now I'm like a you know I'm a handyman. And um, <laughs> but we get in there and we were talking. We're like everybody. It just I it feels like everyone's friendlier, and at least people who I've been coming in contact like. We're friendly, like we're laughing about how, like, oh man, I'm, you know, I hate being able to uh, smiling and not having anyone be able to tell that I'm smiling at them, you know. So now you wave and you just you chat and people are friendly and it's like you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, because it's nice to see because like you know, everybody, I don't care what color you are, I don't care what gender you are, I don't care what sexuality you are, how you identify, we are all literally going through the exact same thing right now, and we can actually all understand what everyone else feels like. And I think people are just, I think it's kind of nice. That's like a good thing that's kind of coming out of this. I feel like people are just friendlier right now. That's an interesting perspective uh, to have during this because while we're all under a lot of stress and anxiety, uh, your experience with people, the public is starting to become that, hey, we're all suffering the same thing. We're all in this together. We're making the best of this. Or maybe it's just, hey, I see less assholes in a day and I didn't realize that I could be a happy, positive person. <laughs> I mean, and it could simply be, yeah, like, oh, man, I'm not frustrated from talking to a bunch of idiots who are trying to argue with me all day long. So, like, maybe now I have time to be nice to other people because I'm not going through, like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody right now, you know? Like, it's just, that could be it, too. Who knows? But it's just, it's nice to focus on that. I'm just trying to, because if I start focusing on the fear and all of the, you know, just the po- politics going back on back and forth because of it. It's just, it's too angry. And I'm like, I don't feel like dealing with any anger right now. Like it's scary enough. <laughs> well, let's uh, go back to the conversation of comedy. Do you think a lot of this quarantine has affected your writing or your ability to write? Cause me as a comedian, I have not written anything new since this whole thing started. I mean, a, a quarantine joke or a, a Corona joke here or there, which I will never yeah. make it my act in the future. When we go back to whatever the new normal going to be, I don't have any material really about quarantine to relate to audiences. Is that, are you feeling inspired to write or are you similar to me where you're like kind of worried that you're not going to have current material or something else? I have actually, um, I think because I was so, I'm now I'm not trying to be like, I'm the busiest person or the hardest worker, <laughs> but I was really busy before. Like I, you know, you teach a, a full school day, grade plan and then at the very least every friday and saturday i would have shows sometimes thursday friday saturday sometimes wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday plus teaching so i feel like i'm writing more now because now i'm actually living a life and having experiences and enjoying myself and i have room to notice things happening whereas before it was 
work, 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 move, 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 move. Don't pay any attention to anything really going on. Even though I kind of thought I was, but I was always just focusing on work. It was either school or comedy. That's it. And so I didn't really have anything to write about. I'm finding now I have much more stuff to write about now, whether or not they work out when I get back on stage is a whole different thing. Maybe <laughs> I haven't really been writing that well. I don't know, but at least something's coming out, you know, <laughs> that's good. No, inspiring. It's nice to hear that we have, that I have friends who are feeling inspired during this and that they're able to have like write about their own experiences. Cause I mean, me and other comedians have been talking about, there's going to be, once all this is over, there's going to be two types of jokes that are going to come out of this Corona jokes and my life during quarantine jokes mm-hmm. and audiences are going to want to hear some of these things, but I don't think they're going to want to Andrew Mary put it best ago and Rob cream put it best is like, when we come back, people are going to hear Corona jokes, but not all at once. Um, and I think more yeah. people are going to want to hear your experience during quarantine and stuff like that, as opposed to Corona jokes. How did we all know that the, the <laughs> didn't we all know that the cure for coronavirus is Lyme disease? Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> uh, it's the, I think if you focus on the experiences around it, because, you know, again, you're not even going to have to really try that hard to get somebody else to relate. Because if you just talk about like, like I started I'm trying to talk about, you know, what it's like having the Zoom meetings, you know, and how um, getting to see the inside of my, you know, bosses houses and how, (laughs) you know, they become a little less intimidating. Just, um, I don't know, I feel like everybody's going to have those experiences and hope, you know, in essence, everybody else is going through the same kind of stuff. I don't know, I think it's, I think everything just evolves. Shit evolves and this is like a just it's, it's going to be different, but people are going to have material and may it may, sure maybe it'll be all coronavirus all at once, but who cares? Eventually it'll get back to normal. I love the optimism from people. I unfortunately think that, <laughs> you know, I have I, I'm unfortunate, an unfortunate cynic and all like and I wish I was positive. I wish I was a glass half, half full kind of guy. I'm unfortunately a glass is broken and spilled everywhere kind of guy, and I don't like that. <laughs> I know I'm an I'm, a, I'm an obnoxious fucking positive person, and I hear myself say it, and I'm like, oh man, me ten years ago would want to punch me in the face, and I get it. I know, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> but all right. So it's nice that you're hopeful of the future. Do you think this is going to have a big, huge shift on how comedy is done in the future? Whatever our new normal is, do you think, in your opinion or in your hopes, that we'll have like half capacity? clubs from here on out or do you think eventually we're just going to go back to normal and forget because you're the same age as me i have yeah. the opinion of like everyone said 9-11 was going to change everything we know and to be honest nothing about our lives is different other yeah. except for the tsa and we all can agree is a joke and useless yeah, so do you, you know i have the kind of the same feelings that we're just gonna you know life's gonna go back to normal after all this we're not gonna deal with mass and stuff like that maybe i don't know what do you feel if if you i mean it's like the course of history things uh things always bounce back or you just get used to whatever happens you know and then i was also watching um sunday mornings is it cbs is sunday morning sure um, okay we'll go yeah. with that it's that nice sunday morning show and i have my coffee and they have all these little news packages and um one of them was about hollywood and the effect of coronavirus on hollywood and you know they talked about the influenza that totally shut Hollywood down. And then the, uh, the great depression, the market crash that shut it all down for a while. And they still, you know, they were saying that there were still iconic movies that came out of those times anyway. So, you know, everybody adapts and shifts to what they need to do and everything keeps moving forward. There's no time that anything has ever stopped in place in history and never changed again. Yeah. Uh, one of the, as an actor, I'm still in a lot of groups and I hear a lot of background, so many background actor groups that I'm in keep posting these links to like, they're going to replace all of us background actors with digital video, di- you know, di- digital character shit. I'm like, no, they're not. Shut up. It's like, we're, we're going to make move. They're going to make movies without uh, background actors and everything's just going to have three people from here on out. We're all going to die from starvation. It's like, shut up. No, you're this is insane talk, you jackass. <laughs> yeah, it's it's panic. It's the panic talk. Could that happen? Sure. Is it likely to? I highly doubt it. No. But I, again, I'm not an, I'm no expert. But I mean, it's yeah, we can think that way. But it doesn't cause anything but stress. Right? Listening to them complain, complain about it causes me enough stress as it is. Yeah, clearly. exactly. I'm like starting <laughs> to sweat more, Um, you know. But like, it's... There are those times of panic and I've had those thoughts too. And, and it's, 
I don't think it does any good to worry that much about it. Cause whatever's going to happen is going to happen without you're worrying about it, you know? Um, and I just, I don't see that happening. There are too many people who love to make film to just cut a whole bunch of everybody out of film. I just, you know, they're, they're an industry of people who love what they do and want other people to love what they do too. It is one of the most collaborative art forms out there because you need people to make movies, period, end of statement. Yeah. Trust me, I, I, my first projects during the quarantine were making, you know, one minute short videos for contests and stuff like that, completely and totally, utterly by myself. And it is a lot of work yeah. to shoot, star in, come up with, edit, post, promote your own project. <laughs> and you know what? God damn, I wish I just had other people around to help, but you can't because it's, you know, it's, it's a quarantine video. So, yeah. huh, but it is collaborative. And I love, that's one reason that drawed me to it. And, you know, cause yes, you can do it by yourself, but it's so much easier. And the product is so much better when you collaborate with other people. Yeah. Um, so is there anything that you've been using as a positive person? Is there something particularly during quarantine that you've used to help cope with a lot of the stress and anxiety going through, or are you just naturally balanced as a human being? I am very much not naturally balanced as a human being. This is years of therapy. Um, <laughs> years of therapy, mistakes. <laughs> I learned to, I do like three, it's called morning pages. I do like th three pages a day of just kind of like free writing. And you kind of, it's, it's just a therapeutic thing for me. You think like, well, what am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling it? Um, what do I need? What's the real problem? Where's this anxiety coming from? What's my fear? Is that a realistic fear? No, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's just repetition of turning your brain to the positive over and over and over again for a long time. Um, so that's something that helps me. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, for me, it's projects like this and the videos and. Oh yeah. I've been more productive with my own projects. I've gotten a yeah. pitch letter rough drafted for a TV pilot series. I have a book idea. I've got like, I feel like I have all these ideas coming. I've been writing every day. Um, I make sure I kept myself on a schedule that helps too. And I've been getting the hell out of my house. If I don't get out of the house and move around, I'm like a dog. I'll chew up my furniture. I haven't been leaving the house at all. Like the closest I come to leaving the house is checking the mail and I'm still with inside the doors. Yeah. So, but like Ken this, Reed's there, you know, his coping mechanism has been posting small videos of the toys that he has around his house and yeah. uh, everybody has their own thing and stuff like that. And so I'm glad to hear that yours is writing because as a uh, artist and a performer and as an English teacher, writing is very important to you yeah. and your everyday life. I don't even know for how long of your life writing has been important to you My that's great that, whole life yeah yeah there you go and, 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 like there was at one point someone you know at sixth grade i think there was just something that happened that discouraged me like i used to be like come up with these really great stories and overwrite everything and just doing all these things and there were somewhere around sixth grade something happened where it discouraged me and i just stopped writing everything in general and that I, yeah like i barely write as it is now but i mean there were years when I did it. There were years when I didn't. And I just recently picked it back up and I'm like, man, I forgot. But a lot of the times too, like we have so much stuff in our lives now. Like if you think about it, when you and I were kids, you had, well, we had two TVs in the house, but five people living there. So there yeah. were times when you actually had to find other shit to do and other things that you found fun. And, you know, when it, when you stop finding things that you find fun and then you get started to get into being forced to write this dumb stuff about analyzing other people's essays and it gets boring and it, the public school system can beat it right out of you. So there was a lot of times that I didn't, I didn't do any of my writing. Um, but finding it again has been really, really helpful, but it's not writing for everybody. You know what I mean? Some other people it's music or just playing an instrument. Some people, whatever, making the videos, it's whatever you find that makes you laugh, find something that makes you laugh every day. Do something that you're like, I've decided I'm like, I bought hiking boots. I'm like, I've never used them except for that Alaska trip I took. I'm like, I'm going to hike. So I've been going on a hike at once a week. I'm like, yeah, this feels good. Find new stuff, find new hobbies, do stuff that makes you that you're like, you know what? That was a lot of fun. Do that. Have whether it's a FaceTime with somebody. I've been talking to friends that friends in Arizona, friends in New York City who I haven't talked to in years. I talk to them five times a week now, just because I have the time to get back in touch. Do those things, you know? It's helped a lot. It's helped a lot. That's great to hear that, you know, you're doing positive and that you have, you know, advice that you can pass on to people. And it's also great to hear that you're that the school systems are trying to help kids. So this was a good conversation and I'm glad you were able to share your experiences and tell me that, you know, give yeah. me an inside look of what's going on and how that they're trying to 
make this better for kids in the future. Yeah. And I want, I do want people to know, like the, the even in the school systems that you don't think are doing the right thing and you think are failing, though there's everybody working in them, at least 99.9% .9 of the people working in those school systems are trying to do the best they can. They just, I, I question anyone's motives not trying to do it the best they can, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do it and mess up. We don't care. That's not what people are saying. They might be failing at it because we've never done it before, but it's not for lack of love or trying. And that's, I think, an important thing that everybody really does kind of need to understand for sure. Yeah. The, the failures in certain things is not coming from apathy. It's coming from. Yeah. It's coming from the shit. What do we do? So, and it's, you're trying. And, and on that, since we just mentioned parents real quick, uh, are are you being are you in touch with your your students' parents more often in this time than before all of this? Do you think? Oh my God, yeah, I've called students' cell phones and called. I would, you know, um, I'm picking up the phone. I used to hate doing it, so I would send emails and contact parents and kids that way. But with this, you know, it's been really super helpful and wonderful. And every parent I've talked to has been awesome and so thankful. And um, the kids really, the thing is, too, man. The, the, even the kids that hate school the most, they're like, I miss, they miss school, whether it's just they miss their friends or they miss getting out of their houses, um, getting out of their neighborhoods. we got a lot of kids in some really rough neighborhoods, um, you know, some very timid kids who can't thrive in those neighborhoods because they, you know, they're scary. They're scared just naturally. But yeah, you know, they're helping and, and everybody's trying to do the best they can. All right. Well, this was a great talk and I'm glad um, that, that we had it. Uh, so anyone who's not, everyone who's not, everyone with the exception of the parents of your students, if they want to watch your comedy, where can they go see stuff? Uh, they can go, oh, the parents of my students can go. I have parents of my <laughs> students come to my shows. They can absolutely <laughs> go. Um, well, my website is christinelin.com. Um, I usually post shows there, but there really aren't, there's not much posting going on there. Um, at my Instagram, that's usually where I put most of my stuff. Her Instagram handle is at Christine Blinn, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-B-L-I-N-N. -I -I -N -N. Uh, so yeah, Christine, this is a great talk. I'm glad that we had it, and I'm glad that you're doing well during all this and that you're staying healthy and happy uh, as best as you can. And I'm looking forward to uh, Zooming again with you in a couple weeks to see all the new home improvements. Heck yeah, we'll do it. Ah. Uh...